uh, ever since the church has been established, after Jesus went to heaven, there has been things in the world that have always creeped into the church. And uh, 1 John was written actually because Gnosticism had crept into the church very strongly to where uh, Gnosticism was a, a religious sect that said that Jesus, they believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe that he came in the flesh and that he was not born of a virgin. And yet that uh, thinking and intelligence was the main drive for the Gnosticism group. And so that crept into the church. So First John was written actually to combat against that. But uh, for 2,000 years, the things in the world have crept into the church. Let's just be real. And so this morning when I woke up, I felt like the Lord was saying to me that uh, it's still ongoing. Not Gnosticism, but things in the world creeping into the church. For example, uh, you know, in the world right now, if there is anything in your past that is wrong, uh, it's brought to light and uh, you are written off, fired, or done away with. And um, dear Lord, I hope nobody checks into my past and when I was in high school. This is the thing. Relationships have bridges have been burned and things have been done away with because of the past. And if the world is going to hold the standard that you have to be perfect, then even those that are holding that standard will be into them. I don't know about you, but uh, I am thankful that I have a Savior because not only of my past, but because of my present and my future, I am not perfect. But I just think we have to be careful. And then this is why I said it's creeped into the church because I know that um, when you come to a church for a while, like our church, you can start analyzing things. They should do this, or why do they do things that way? Or why don't they preach more on this? And why do they give an altar call like that? And why? And you could keep analyzing that, and after a while, that could bug you. The point is this, is whatever you focus on, that's what will become big to you. And if you are looking for a perfect church, you should probably get up and leave now. And I know there's people, I've, I've had some people, you know, that say, you know, you just, why don't you take a stand for the political issues? Why don't you take a stand for the social issues? Over 10 years ago, I used to be strong on social issues and political things. And the Lord just started changing the way that he wants me to preach and what to preach on. I've been ridiculed because, you know, there's even minister friends who say, if you're not preaching and taking a stand political, then you were wrong. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But unless the Lord changes what my heart is, I'm staying the course. And if you are one of those people that, let me just back up. There are pastors, I believe, that are called to do certain things and preach certain things issues, social issues, political issues. I believe that. That's not the road that I'm supposed to take right now. If you study church history, 
when Jesus walked the planet? Do you know Israel was totally dominated by the Roman government? Totally underneath the Roman government. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and tell me how many times Jesus addressed the Roman government. My point is this. He had a mission. Listen to me now. He had a mission and a goal and what he was supposed to preach and what he was supposed to do. And even being under Roman rule did not change that. So even if there's a Democrat or a Republican in this office, it is not going to change the way that I preach or what I stand for or what I do, no matter what. But if you are a person that wants to know God in a greater way, if you are a person, the three issues of life have always been in my heart to help people. Number one is healing. If you are a person that believes that God wants you well, but you struggle in it, but you believe in that or whatever, if you are a person who believes that God wants you sick, you're going to have issues at this church because we preach that God, it's his will for you to be healed. He paid the price 2,000 years ago. So if that's an issue with you, so that's always going to be a thread that goes through my ministry. The second thread is going to be all of your needs provided for in abundance. If you believe, there again, if you believe it's your, uh, that money is evil, because the Bible says it's the love of money that is evil, and the majority of people who don't have money have that problem. I believe it is, I heard a testimony. We usually don't listen to the radio on the way to church. This morning I was listening to some Christian station, and this lady gave a testimony about how her friend was in line, it was 11 o'clock at night at a grocery store, and this man and his two teenage boys was there, father and two, two teenage boys. And the, the bill was $94.10. And he gave her a credit card, and it was denied. And he said, well, let me give it another credit. I, that one's maxed out. And maybe I have one a little bit on this. If you can take this. And to make a long story short, he started taking things away from his groceries. And the person behind him sat there and said, the Lord spoke to, it was a Christian, spoke to this woman and said, just in her heart, she says, I knew it was God, says, you take care of that. I want you to take care of that. So that she paid for it. The man started crying, the boy started crying, the cashier started crying. A few weeks later, she was in church, and uh, she noticed in her peripheral vision, that man and her two son, his two sons were in the church. She never told him that she was a Christian, where she went to church or anything. But he started going to church. Because when she paid the bill, she said, you know, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to do that for you. That's all the witnessing she said. The point is this. I believe the church should be so wealthy that they should be able to take people's needs and pay for them that are suffering like that. So if you have an issue with that, I mean, it is in my heart. I'll just have my words are not just, I can tell you, I looked up the statistic this morning, or really not a statistic, but um, we have given $12,780 for benevolence to people in need. Not missions, not ministry, that, that's a whole totally different number. $12,780 to people in need that need help, either paying their bill or we give 5000 to the couple that had their brother in Washington. Uh, their house burned down. We sent him $5,000 check. My point is this. That needs to escalate. We want to take care of people and help people that are in need. But not only to help them, 
We want to teach people it's the will of God for you to prosper so you can do things like that. So you can be the one in the line who sees somebody like that and says, I got that. How about paying for somebody's gas? Dear Lord, you have to be wealthy now to do that. But anyway, my point is this. You know, God wants you to be well off enough to help do that. So that's the second thing. So your health, your wealth, and then the third thing is relationships. I desire to see marriages grow. I desire to see friendships grow and your relationship with God to grow. But this is what I see that has crept into the church and into relationships. And that is, it's all people get performance-oriented. Can we do better at this church? Dear Lord, I'm the first one in line. You understand? I'm the first one in line. We do, to the best of our ability, I do believe in excellence. Do we do everything excellent? No, but we do the best that we can. But this is the bottom line. The grace of God should be strong enough in all of us. That if you know this is the place you're supposed to be, if this is where God's supposed to be, pray for that. And like I said, there's going to be something. You pray for us to do a better job. But if you're praying for me to start preaching politics, just go ahead. Keep spitting in the wind. See what that does for you. I am very, I believe, I believe that the church should be involved in politics. I believe the church should be involved in the school boards. I believe that the church should be involved in Hollywood. I believe the church should be involved in all of social issues. The church should do all of that. But each church is I believe that God, I believe every pastor has a, a, a mandate from God of what he's supposed to do. But this is the thing that I see. If you're not careful, you can start going to a church and start nitpicking and just like the church, analyze everything that is going on and start focusing on something and it becomes a big deal to you. Do you realize Paul? Have you ever studied the life of Paul? That dude, thank God I'm not Paul. And there's nobody that you know that's like Paul. I mean... Snake bitten. I've been bit by a snake before, but it wasn't poisonous. But he was snake bitten by a poisonous snake, and and he was shipwrecked, spent a, a day and a night in the in the sea, and he was beaten, stoned to death for dead, and put in prison for over two years for preaching the gospel. The church was against him. the 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 world was against him, and this is what Paul said: this light affliction that we stand, that we go through in this in this world. Light affliction? Paul, are you, did you, that last time you got stoned, it did something to you. Light affliction? Are you kidding me? How can he honestly say that? I'm going to tell you why. It was what he was focusing on. He didn't focus on the negative things. He didn't focus on the bad things that were happening to him. He didn't focus on these things. But I'm telling you, there's people that that can leave a church. And don't get me wrong, I believe there's times that God calls people to leave a church. I know that. You know, I'm not one of those pastors that if you come here, you have to be here till you're dead. I believe God calls people. It's his business, not mine. People come, people come. I've been doing this for November. I've been in full-time ministry 30 years, not as a pastor, but full-time ministry. So people come, people go. I get that. But I do believe this. There's sometimes, sometimes that people leave because... They got offended over something that we do. And listen, if there's ever the most offensive time that we've lived on, any man has lived on the planet, it's now. You can't say anything, people get offended. 
People get offended over everything. This is not the kingdom of God and the way he wants people to be and act. Because if you are that easily offended, you're going to have problems in your relationship with your spouse, with your friends, and with anything that you come in contact if you're that easily offended. Come on now. Just get over yourself. We cannot be that easily offended. And I am going to say things that offend you from time to time. We're looking stupid to the world because of our things that we stand so strong for. Listen, Jesus, look, does anybody read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John and see how he acted with people? Really? How did he act with the, the Roman government? How did he act with the Roman soldiers? You know what Jesus said? If a Roman soldier asked you, it was by law, that they, if a Roman soldier asked you to carry their gear for one mile, you had to do it. You know what Jesus said? If they do that, you take it too. You take it too. I'm just saying, do we really want to go down these? Listen, there is so much th- that is dividing our nation right now and dividing the world. I think the news media is the number one instigator of division right now. I just, I turned on the TV to find, I was looking for something and my phone went off. So I was reading a text and doing an email and all this stuff. And I was listening with my background ear to what was going on in the news. And it was total 100% just being divisive. Just being divisive. I'm just saying. Ephesians 6.12, this is not scripture I gave him, but it says this, that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against flesh and blood. There you go. But against principalities, powers, rulers, darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You're not fighting against people. But if we're not careful, the church will do exactly what the world does, and we start fighting against people. Philippians 4.18 says, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is good report, think on these things. I just felt like the Lord saying to me, the church needs to be careful what they're thinking on. You can take that into your marriage. You can take that into your relationships, your friends. There's things that, let's just be real, they is a burn your britches that your spouse does. And if you've only been married a few weeks, a few months, you go, well, hopefully, you know, that'll change. I've been married for 32 years. If you've been married for a long time, hmm, you may come to the conclusion they will never change. They will never change. Matter of fact, I believe it's gone to the second power. Don't say amen to that because... You could get in trouble. But this is the point. This is the point. You can either let your emotions and putting your spouse under the, 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 micro, uh, the magnifying glass and blow that up to make it to where you're unhappy with your spouse 24-7. And you've never put what they do that is great or good underneath the magnifying glass to make you fall more and more in love with them. Let me just ask you this. 
what does your heavenly father do with you? Does your performance dictate how much he loves you? But it's amazing that the performance of our spouse and our friends dictate how much we love them. I've come to the conclusion I'm not have a perfect marriage. I mean, there's times Millie and I, we, we can go at it. Yeah. But this is what I have been learning for probably just the last five to seven years when I had a revelation about the grace message. The Lord says you can... Let what she does irritate you, or you can flow in my grace to where it does not irritate you. She's still, you're trying and praying and believing for what she does to change. How's that working for you, Mike? Or you can let the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, read it sometime takes no thought of an evil done to it. Takes no thought of an evil done to it. You think, I can't do that. We can't. We can't do that. Somebody does something against you, does something against me, not only do we take thought, it's edged in stone. (laughs) You know what you did back in 1972, don't you? (laughs) yep here it is I got the list you know Roy Rogers he said this uh, he said uh, you know the Lord says you have to love everybody so I do but if he ever changes his mind I've got a list (laughs) it's kind of like me you know I just think you know I'm not supposed to take a uh, a list against Melody, you know, I know that, but if the Lord ever changes his mind, I've got some things, you know, I've got some things. Do you realize 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says that God doesn't even keep a list of your sins. He doesn't even keep a list of your sins. And you and I struggle about, you know, when our spouse or our friends, they've done something, and, and we, we don't forget it. We say sometimes, oh, I do, I forgive you, I forgive you, but it's still there. Just waiting for the opportunity to express itself. I'm just saying the grace of God needs to be a revelation to you and to me at a greater degree. Then you'll be able to live and love the person you're married to. Even if you've been married over 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. It's sweeter and sweeter as the day gets. Don't make me sing now. Anyway. But I just feel like the Lord need, wanted me to share those things with you today. I believe that the church is hearing things wrong. And when I say the church, I don't mean Rocky Mountain Family Church. We're part of that. But I believe nationwide and around the world, if we're not careful, we'll let what's irritating the world irritate us. We'll let what's dominating the world to start dominating the church. Jesus did not let the Roman Empire influence his ministry whatsoever. Again, I'm going to reiterate. I believe there's ministries out there are supposed to preach the whatever politics stand they want. That's fine. 
If you talk to me outside the pulpit, I am very strong in what I believe political, social issues. I am strong and do not compromise whatsoever. Nothing. But having said that, you just realize, let's take, for example, Pueblo. 50% of the population, maybe even a little bit more, is Democrat. The other 50% Republican. So if I preach politics, I'm only going to be able to reach 50% of this city. Hmm. Maybe the Lord was pretty smart in telling me not to jump on that agenda. Just saying. Because the last time I checked, for God so loved the world, which would mean Democrats, Republicans, independents, and everybody in between, or the know-nothings. Now, I know that may offend some of you or rub you the wrong way. But this is the bottom line. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves everybody, no matter what their political views are. Jesus loves everybody no matter, no matter what their social issues they stand for or against. I don't know, but there's just something inside my heart that I want to reach every one of them. I want to reach every one of them. I remember I just said in, uh, just in a statement that God loves the women that have had an abortion and wants to minister life to them. A guy, a couple just, oh. If he could have got his hands around my throat, I may not be here today. I'm not saying I was for abortion at all. I'm against that. But what I am saying is for the women who have had it, they're not written off that God's love still reaches them. Are you hearing me? And God wants to minister to them and give them life everlasting and what they've done in their past, not to write them off for their future, but to say, I still have a future for you. Your future is bright, and you can do the things that God wants you to do no matter what's in your past or what you've done. That is called the gospel or what we call the good news. But I am going to preach on for you to be healthy, for you to be wealthy, and for you to have great relationships, and for you to walk even as he walked. That's what we want to see. I want to see lives transformed that we walk just like he walked, and we can do that because he's inside of us. We don't have to try to perform to be a better Christian. It's about time the church gets to the end of the rope and say, I can't do this, and God's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Stop the performance. Stop performance with your relationships. Stop the performance with the church mentality. When you come into the church and it has to be a, a performance mentality in your marriage, it has to be a performance mentality in your friendship that has to be. Everything is based upon that. You know why? Because the system is set up that way. You perform well in your job, you get promoted. You do well in this world, you get promoted. And so we've just taken that issue into the church and say, well, I believe if I do well, God's going to bless me more. And those who don't, then we're going to do the finger point and say, you need to do this better. You need to do that better. Of course, we all need to do everything better. But the bottom line is this. The grace of God is so great inside of you. None of us, none of us understand it the way that we should. We don't. We still, I would, I, I mean, just a week or two ago, I was watching this minister, and you know, and he, he was just being so divisive. And I just thought, 
I even said out loud, I said, Lord, look at this dude. And he's just being divisive. He's coming against this and coming against that. He's just being divisive and dividing the church, not the world from the church, dividing the church. And yet, this guy has miracles in his ministry. And I told the Lord out loud, I was praying, I go, what's up with that? How can this dude be so divisive and have miracles in his ministry? How is that? I just don't get it. And I mean immediately. There's been times I don't hear right away from God, but immediately the Spirit of God in my heart said, so miracles are based upon your performance and what you can do. Ow. It's not based upon what I can do and what I've done. It's based upon what you can do, right? Is that, is that what you're saying, Mike? I just want to make sure I got this right. That's how God talks to me. I just want to make sure I got this right. You're saying that if you can do a miracle, it's because of you and what you can do and how holy you can be and how right you can be, then you're qualified to do miracles. Do you really want that as a qualification? I said, no, Lord. I like what you do. That it doesn't matter. Listen to me. This will just rub you the wrong way. His miracles and what he does is not based upon your performance at all. You think I just need to be more holy. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. And there again, don't be stupid on me. And just think I'm saying you can live any way that you want, sin any way that you want, and, and it's okay with God. You know, they did that with Paul. And what did Paul say? God forbid. Don't get stupid. There's great consequences to sin. There are unbelievable consequences to sin. That's why God doesn't want you to sin. You rob a bank, you're going to have a prison ministry, okay? So, I mean, just get real. That's why you, your children, you want them to eat right. They, I mean, you every once in a while they get a donut, but you don't want them to eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and supper seven days a week. You don't, if a good parent just doesn't want that. But it's something good. But you want health and, and what's best for your child. How much more does your heavenly father? This is why he's against sin. It's not because, you know, people say, well, if you sin, it separates you from God. Really? Really? You need to read Romans a little bit better the next time you read the Word of God. If sin separates us from God, we're all hopeless and doomed. Unless there's somebody in here that never sinned. Just want to make sure I'm talking to the right audience. I mean, it could be one of those holy, holy, holy audiences. No. No. He doesn't count your sins against you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to sin, but I'm telling you what, he will not. Listen, it's hard to keep from something. If I gave you $1,000 and I said, now listen, I want you to live a good life or whatever. But if she started living not so good a life, the $1,000 is hers. She's got it. It's in her possession. God has given us Jesus. He's given us all the promises of God. Everything that pertains to life and to godliness, 2 Peter 1.3, says he's given it to us, been deposited. It's already yours and mine. He doesn't take them back. Now, I will say this. Your attitude towards life and towards God can hinder what's in your spirit to be manifested on the outside. 
Are you hearing that? Did you hear that part? It can hinder it, but it's not God. It's not God hindering it. It's you and me. It's you and me. I was going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. I forewarned the PowerPoint people. I said, I just may not get to. At first, I went in. I said, I may just get to half of it. And then Tiffany looked at me. I said, just half? I go, maybe none. But listen to me. I know this is totally, totally not in my notes. I was, if you look up today's, if you go to rmfchurch.org, click on media, you're going to see the notes for the spirit within. You will hear that next week. Lord willing. Listen to me. Take this message from a father-type pastor message. All right? All right? Take this with the right attitude. Be careful what you think on the negative things that happen in this church. All 50 million of them. It was a joke. There's not 50 million. I was just kidding. Some of you look like, hmm. No, that was a joke. Come on. But listen to me. You need to make sure you take this to your marriage as well. You need to make sure you take this to your relationships as well. You need to make sure you take this to your job as well. Let the grace of God consume you in every area of your life. You know why? God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. And you cannot be happy if you're always just being irritated by your spouse and you can't let it go because of that irritation that they do. And you're praying, God, change them. And God's saying, how about I change you? How about I change you? You would be a much happier person if you let me change you. Nobody wants to hear that message. Well, yeah, I don't need changing. It's her. She's the one who needs changing. I've done that. See how far you get that with God. Let me tell you, it doesn't go very far. Let me just tell you that. I'll tell you a quick testimony. My time's up. I'll tell you a quick testimony. This is when I worked with FedEx, and it was during the holiday season, which every FedEx driver hated the holidays because you work about 14, 15, 16 hours a day like a dog from November till Christmas. So we all hated the holidays. Bah humbug. But anyway, uh, so it was during that time of the year, and uh, we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was being, I mean, it was like overly work dog. We were short and not in stature. Well, I was kind of short. But anyway, we were short in people. And uh, uh, I was just tired every day of my life, man. I was. And so one time I came home. It was late, late, late at night, like 11 o'clock at night. Melly answers the door and mascara is running down her face. Not a good sign. Just saying. She'd been crying, and you know, and, and, and granted, I think she was thinking upon the wrong thing about what was going on in our marriage, you know, and so she was crying and everything. And my first reaction was, oh, dear Lord. That was before she said anything. I just could see everything on her face. And so we had a big argument. It was bad and everything. But, you know, by 2 a.m., it was all taken care of. I went to bed. And the next day, thank God, I was off and she had to go to work. I got up, you know, and I started praying. And so I said, Lord, were you there last night? 
I'm just saying. You know how I worked and what happened and how I've sacrificed. You know, yeah. You know, I was there. You know, God, I just want to make sure that was unfair for what Melody did. It was unfair. And I kept using the word unfair. I just threw that up before God. It was unfair, unfair, and unfair. And all of a sudden, it was as if he stood behind me and said it with an audible voice. It's a good thing that you weren't called to be the son of God. Because it was so unfair. It's a good thing. All your unfairness. You're having a difficult time with her unfairness. And of course, Jesus bore all of the unfairness, Mike. But it's a good thing that you weren't in his shoes. And then he seared the scripture. Husbands. But first of all, he says, how much Jesus took care of you, took care of the church. When you've not been worthy, he still took care of you. When you've not been worthy, he still loved you. When you've not been worthy, he still blessed you. When you've not did, fill in the blank, Jesus was always there for you. But it's unfair, huh, Mike? And then he seared that scripture, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. <laughs> I smelled flesh burning. <laughs> it was mine. My point is this. We, we, we think a lot of things is unfair in our relationships, unfair in life. The grace of God wants to take that out of your vocabulary. It's just so unfair what's going on in America. Yeah. So what's so unfair going on in the world? Yeah. The grace of God can change that. The love of God can change that. I'm not saying we accept what's going on. But what I am saying, if we can't express that here within the four walls, God help us outside the four walls. The grace of God is sufficient. You can love your spouse. I don't care how unlovely they are. You can love your friends better than you ever have before. You can love your children. Even when they are not being good. Again, I'm not saying compromise. Don't take that wrong. But what I am saying, the grace and the love of God is the most powerful thing on this planet. It's more powerful than any news media. It's more powerful than any politician. It's more powerful than any official in any capacity. The grace and the love of God will stand the test of time. And when those news media people die and, and go off to la-la land, the grace and the love of God will still be standing here. It will never be defeated. The gates of hell cannot defeat this. And neither can the, what's going on in America. Nothing can defeat the love of God. So it's about time for the church to have a revelation of that and walk in it day and night and say, nothing can defeat me. Take your best shot. I am Mr. Teflon. Going to worldwide. The younger people don't even know what Teflon is. But anyways, these skillets where you can do an egg and it just swirls around. Nothing sticks to it. Nothing sticks to Teflon. You and me need to be Teflon people. Put a big T on my T-shirt. What does that stand for, Teflon? Just try to make something stick. It won't stick. Okay, I'm done. We can stand. <laughs> Let's stand. This was just a fatherly message. 
if I had to classify it, a fatherly message. I believe God just wants to let us take some correction in our mentality. Don't let what's going on in the world creep into your life. Mess up your marriage, mess up your friendships, mess up your job, how you think about things. The world's crazy with a capital C. They don't think right. But you and I, we're not crazy, and we do think right. But you can think on the wrong things. Philippians 4. Whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is good report, think on these things. Don't let it creep into this church. Don't let it creep into this church and you get offended. Did you hear what Pastor Mike said? I've offended myself, so get in line. Listen to me. God loves us. The church is strong in this nation. No, we are, we're not going to be like every other church. There are great, fantastic churches in our city. So don't ever complain about churches in this city. I'm going to say, talk to the hand. Is that what they say? Talk to the hand. Is that what they say? That was probably 20 years ago. But whatever they say now. Why? Because I believe pastors are doing their best. And some pastors, uh, I think most pastors, are doing their best to hear from God. Are some of them off? Yeah, probably. Can I be off? Yeah, probably. Just so you know, nobody has perfect doctrine, including you. I said including you. Nobody has perfect doctrine. I remind myself that from time to time. Mike, you don't have perfect doctrine. We don't. If you have to go to a perfect doctrine, you know what you're saying? I want to go to some place that believes just like me. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I'm married. My wife doesn't even. We don't see eye to eye on sometimes even spiritual things. I'm okay with that. She's okay with that. We're happy. I'm going to be a little sad for the next six to seven weeks, but, you know, listen to me. Let's be the church that God wants us to be. Let's be the Christian. Let's take courage, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Man, we can do this. We can love people that are unlovely. We can love people. We can love our spouse more. We can love our church more. We can love because we have the ability inside of us. The love of God is inside you and me today. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to even ask for it. It's there. It's there. Let me pray for you. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Praise God. Lord, you're so good. I thank you for ministering life to us today. Help us all to see things differently. Not only to see things in church differently, but help us to see one another differently. You see people as valuable. You see every single person person is valuable the woman at the well that was so embarrassed and shamed you saw her as valuable the centurion you saw him as valuable every person on this planet there's not a one that you 
don't see is valuable. And so I pray, God, that we would see people through the eyes of Jesus. We'll be able to minister love. We'll be able to minister life. And help us. Help us to have a revelation of the love and the grace that you've placed inside of us. That we would love church more. That we would love our spouse more. We would love our friends more. We would love people more. We will love the unlovely more. The ones that get under our skin because of what they say. That we would say, I can still love that. I can still love that. Thank you for helping us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.